it's time to switch on the computer. And let's get computing! For an artist really working to answer that question too, and like make make this entire system um, more tangible and more digestible for people through art and how art communicates, and that's why it makes so much sense. Like that's why that's why PFPs make a lot of sense. That's why crypto art makes sense. It's like these these ways of attempting to communicate what this is all about. I realized there are a bunch of other nerds around the world that care about the intersection of art and tech too. And Test, 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 test. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Dankness. I am one of your hosts, Dan Sickles. I am Jason Bailey, a.k.a. Artnome, one of your other hosts. And we are hosting some of the best minds in the cryptosphere for conversation about their work, their life, and digging into a bit more of the mythology surrounding the space. Yeah, so Dan and I realized that a lot of times uh, these uh, artists and collectors and personalities in sort of the crypto art NFT space, we read kind of the same questions and the same answers from them in a lot of interviews and podcasts. And, you know, it, sometimes it feels like they always were just kind of famous um, and don't necessarily, it's like hard to relate sometimes. But having known a lot of them before the space blew up, um, we wanted to start a podcast where we intentionally try to get at who they are as, as humans, um, not just as sort of I famous and accomplished, you know, artists in the space. So, um, so much of the, uh, the, the, like the hype stuff is down and people are bummed out and they're not able to sell like anything. And there's like a combination of like artists can't sell right now. Collectors can't really sell the people that are like marketplaces or like, you know, almost like this new world gallerist kind of people can't really sell. So people are like, oh man, or like NFTs dead or whatever. And like now is the time, right? So like, I think people are psyched that like we're having authentic, open conversations with people that are a little goofy, right? Like, I mean, they're a little bit intentionally goofy. I think as much as I like to talk about art and like how valid and important, you know, the concepts are and all this work that people are making, like just a reminder that at the end of the day, like we should also try to have fun, right? And I think, I think maybe that's what the dankness is doing. Yeah, for sure. I think that like, it's also really, it's a celebration of that funkiness, right? Because um, I think like really the people who who, are, who have dug in most and like who are really like, you know, here to, to do this work in a very authentic way have, have been doing it and sort of like riding their own wave for such a long time that like their presence here has nothing to do with trend, right? Right. You nailed it. I, th- I think that's a great way to describe it. I was talking to... Um... Uh, dankness favorite Fanny Lakube, uh yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, you got her name right this time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think you switched the B and the K last time. <laughs> Labuke, which sounds like something a street fighter. Fanny Labuke, yeah. I was like, like oh. Labuke! It you made know? sense to me, oh. <laughs> yeah, no. It, uh, yeah, but Fanny, definitely uh, one of my favorite people. And we were saying how with like that that roller coaster, you know, it's like we were all here and like just genuinely excited and interested. And then the whole rest of the world came in and, and briefly we're like, we're really excited too. Not, and then like left and we're like, but wait, we still like everything we're that we liked about and- this. And like, 
it feels weird that people could be so fickle to at least on the surface sound really excited in masses um, about something like mm. NFTs and the cultural opportunities it represents and, you know, opportunities to have a, a better system for artists and like everyone swarms in and then like lots of people swarm out. And for those of us that like actually like it, we're like, well, wait, nothing changed. Like, where'd everybody go? You know? Yeah, for sure. And we will, you know, like we, we will definitely carve out some time to like have have a moment with Stella and with Flood to actually talk about what what, you know, dank tones are and They're sort of how they manage to put them together for every episode. Place. But I think, yeah, to to your point, I think like this is um, it's the easiest and most accessible ways. I feel like that, that we have of sort of saying like, cool, like this is this is this is like an easy way of collecting you know, the, these moments. The Dank are... Tones are rad, yeah. So again, for folks that don't know, the Dank Tones are the Dang. NFTs that are essentially free that are associated with our Dankness podcast here. Dang, Dang. I think we have to charge something to keep the bots away, but like it's basically gas plus, you know, uh, pennies or whatever to, to get them. Um, and Flood um, is a, a good friend of ours, has done the design and really hidden some super cool like Easter eggs in there. So like... Every time there's a, a new episode, there's a, a new set of Dankness NFTs out there. Encourage folks to go pick them up. They're there to be fun. Stella has created like some amazing soundscapes. And I think sort of the chemistry between Stella and Dan seems to be getting like better and better with each, uh, with each <laughs> oh, dank tone. Danker and danker. People are going to want like, I mean, I'm having fun, guys. I think you guys are having fun, which bodes well that like we could do like 100 episodes of this, right? And if there are 100 episodes... People are going to want to have a full set, I think, right? Like as we get to like episode 50, there's going to be like ones where like, oh, like, you know, you'd have to go all the way back to like only, I don't know, 100 or so of episode two or three or something, you know, were minted. So, I mean, not that that even is the part that I care about, but like I could see it happening. For sure. For sure. And shout out to Async too for for being awesome partners in this like that that platform has been around i mean you've you've known conlon for quite a bit too right have i told you my conlon story we'll have to have him come on um sometime but he's just like a total sweetheart one of the nicest guys in the space and like early on seems like early 2018 maybe um someone introduced me to him and he was like super polite he you know and he was like i have this idea where i want like people to be artists to be able to mint nfts but like collectors can like change them and they'll have different states or whatever. And I'm thinking like, I've come from like an art background. I'm like, no artist is going to like let anybody like change anything. But like, he's basically describing like the entire future of what unfolded, you know, for the next three years of NFTs. And I like completely whiffed on it. So uh, yeah, just a super good dude. Uh, lo- love Con- Conlon. Shout out to Conlon. And Ace. Yeah. And some, yeah, some, some incredible drops uh, also that I've collected on there. So it's, it's really it's really cool to see dank tones, you know, also up there, Art with, is like, happening. you know, Osinachi, for example. <laughs> um, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a oh, trip. Nice. But definitely check them out. Um, if 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 you're sort of like looking for any links to sites, you can always reroute uh, wherever to wherever you're looking through through the dankness.xyz. Um, and that will that will bring you to where you can mint dank tones, where you can find them on the secondary market in case you're looking there. But then also to where you can stream these episodes uh, anywhere apart from where you are listening dankness, to this dankness, right now. Dankness. So feel free. The dankness.xyz is there 24-7 to check out. Um, but hey, yeah. Dan, I want to yeah. know. So um, 
we were all talking at the start of the, the conversation today um, about how we're all kind of tired. And I don't think Stella or I have really a great excuse, but I want to know why you, sir, are tired uh, today. I'm, I'm in prep, um, you know, with, with the, in, in the midst of this marathon that, that is uh, new here. Um, you know, getting ready to actually head back out to L.A., uh, to the West Coast, to uh, to to for this kind, it's it's a top secret shoot. I I don't like saying that. It sounds it's so annoying to say, especially in this space. But it's sort of like the it's the type of shoot that second floor, uh, third dang yeah, room. Yeah, we're on gonna the have left. to sort of figure out how to announce in like a, a much more coordinated way. I, I guess I can say that it's in LA because uh, you know the 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 main people that I'm focusing on uh, aren't really based there. So it, it, it isn't really a clue as to like who we're going to be working with. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been I've been sort of chasing chasing them for the better part of two years now, um, like trying to lock down ultimately like what the hour window will look like. So this is um, your white whale. How many? So for folks that don't know, how many um, interviews have you done now for the for the documentary? I think I'm I'm close to about 110 now. Um, there's a few virtual interviews that that were that we've been doing. Dang, um, silly tuna. I actually just wrapped recently uh, in the UK, um, and we'll continue sort of doing those as I'm building out. I'm sort of like where I am right now is I, I sort of have written out this five act structure for the film, just in case anyone's interested in this. I don't know. It's so process. It's in the middle of the process, but. Um, you know, I have this five act structure out written out for this film and I'm, and I'm receiving the, the sort of like first assemblies of each act. And I think in total right now, five acts, I probably have about 12 hours worth of footage to watch. So like the first quote unquote assembly of new here is, is, uh, it's about 12 hours long. It's an, it's an odyssey. So I'm digging into oh, that man. and like starting to sort of pare that down, write that, sort of like build that into a script, find what I'm missing, the weak muscles of that story there, but then also really start to figure out what the emotional spine of this might be. But that's all I'll say, because it, it might be a bit sort of, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's so, so you're doing you're doing all of that, though. And I heard you what spent the, the first three nights uh, as a, a solo dad. Um, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Solo dadding it this week, um, which, you know, uh, it was it was awesome, actually, like spending time that way. It is it is like truly bonding. Right. Because it, it's just it's just me and her. Um, but yeah, then then that also means that like, yeah, at, in the middle of the night, like anytime that she wakes up, you're absolutely waking up and like there, there is no other option. Uh, yeah, feeling a bit a bit delirious as well. What what episode are we on right now? This is episode. I believe this is episode number five. Five. Um, we made it to five, uh, and, and hopefully five of many to come. Um, I think today's guest is actually someone that I wasn't as familiar with that that you actually introduced me to, Dan. So who do who mm. do we have today? Yeah, today we have C three coming on the show. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm super super excited to chat with him. I know that you know like working out sort of like VPNs and and getting connected to our servers here uh, in the states is kind of uh, it's a bit of a rodeo. So we're gonna work with you know what what we can and, and the connection that we have and and sort of hang out with him for absolutely as long as we can. Um, he's he's based in Iran, um, which has sort of like limited connectability. 
um, to sort of main internets, cyber webs. If you yeah, such a great story, though. A good reminder of sort of the early days, why we wanted to build sort of this crypto art uh, space, because someone who felt like they had no audience, right? Like you know, we wanted to build a global movement where anyone can participate and even things like anonymity. So, so C3, you know, was is, needs to be careful and kind of maintain that anonymity, which when it's just like a random troll from the US that just wants to say obnoxious things and they're going under an anonymous name, like it can feel kind of like, uh, what's the point? But like, this is really a good reminder of how like mm-hmm. it's critical for some artists to really actually be able to express, you know, how they feel and what they think and, and to be able to protest sort of the environment that they're, they're in. That This crypto side of crypto art actually does have a purpose um, mm, yeah. um, and it's really important. For sure. And that that's like, I think it's important, again, to, to, to really remind ourselves what those values are. And C3 is really an embodiment of that. I see that he's actually here. He's on standby now. And he found the doorbell. Look at that. So we're going to get to C3 in a second. But first, what do we have, Bailey? Uh, pre-roll. NFT collectors, did you realize fewer than 10% of NFTs actually store all the files on the blockchain? That's because it's really expensive to store files on the blockchain. Instead, about 90% of your NFT collection is dependent on marketplaces paying to store and pin the files. If those marketplaces go out of business, poof, there goes the value of your NFT collection. Go to clubnft.com and create a local backup of your NFTs for free. Your JPEGs will thank you. Testing, testing, testing. We are back. And for today's episode, we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, C3, who's an artist that also goes by Sena. Uh, Sena is an anonymous artist based in Iran. His art is deeply personal and political. It's graphic, harsh, and commands your attention. Using a very limited palette and coming from a lineage of crypto artists, including Cypherpunk Now, Sarah Mayojas, Carlos Marcial, who we, who we actually have recently hosted on The Dankness, um, Pussy Riot, and others, C3 has quickly established himself among them as a preeminent artist activist in the crypto art movement. C3 is using blockchain as a means of cementing the history of contemporary autocratic Iran in a permanent, public, and highly critical way. www.c3naa.art. That's C3, the number, naa.art is his website, where you can see all of his most recent works, as well as the works that are still available on the primary market. At C3NAAX, that's C3NAAX, is his handle on social media, where you can keep up to date with all of his communications. Some of his notable works include, but are not limited to, Ascension, The Rebel Queen, Eve, Crimes of the Dead, and Lucifer. Uh, I was actually introduced to C3's work by a friend, uh, the notorious crypto art collector, Mr. 703, and I'm very, very grateful for the introduction. I'm also honored to include C3 as one of the featured artists in New Here. And seeing his rise in the past year and a half about has been astonishing and and very well-deserved. 
I want to remind our audience that for C3, um, creating anti-authoritarian art, the act of him coming on the dankness, and every time that he broadcasts a message of resistance online, he's taking and assuming the highest risk. Um, bravery is embedded into his work, but also in how he lives his life. And it's an honor to have him with us today. Um, in an effort to protect his identity, parts of this episode may be edited before the broadcast. Uh, C3, I know it's been a minute uh, since we spoke. It's, it's probably been uh, about two months or so, but I think you know the, the best way for us to kick off this episode is really just for, for us to open up the space uh, to you and for you to just give us an update as to how you are, how your family is, uh, sort of what's, what's going on around you at this moment. Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to have <laughs> you. All, you always make me look and sound way better than I actually am. Thank you. <laughs> you're you modest, look... sir. No, no, you're too kind, Dan. Uh, well, it's really cold in here. Uh, <laughs> I'm freezing and I love it. And the uh, past few weeks, maybe... Um, has been a lot of stress and a lot of downtime, but we're going through it and we will see how it ends. Maybe, maybe this year will be our year. You've been, you've been sort of saying for a while when I, when I, when we started talking, I mean, it was, it was really before the protests had picked up in Iran, but you were sort of foreseeing that they, that they were coming in a big way. I mean, is there... What's, what's your understanding of the situation there now? How do you see it? Yeah, for, for a, a few months and maybe a, a year or two, it, uh, it looked like or it felt like that um, the, the level of tension and level of anger was peaking. You know, people were on edge on streets and everywhere you go or everywhere you talk to people, people were really on edge, but and... You could feel it coming, you know, uh, and it just needed a push. And that push came after uh, the murder of uh, an Iranian young girl called Masa Amini four months ago or so that she was uh, arrested by morality police because of improper hijab and she was beaten to death by them. And so... That news came out and broke, and the image of her lying on the bed in the hospital just gave that push to people, and everything went down. You know, the nationwide protest and uprising and the anger, it was never seen before. You know, in this scale, it was unseen and unheard of, and it made you uh, feel powerful and made you proud, you know. Because uh, most of the times when you t talk to people, uh, Iranians are not, we're not maybe as proud as they are now because we were uh, maybe ashamed because we were silent and uh, we were going through with it. And that shame, that uh, collective shame that people had was weighing on people, but the uprising and the level of protests and the clashes and the anger that uh, roared in the streets that made you proud because we standed for something and we said it's, it's enough and 
a lot of people died and gave their life for that matter and but it, it made you proud yeah and you're and you're responding to uh i mean and this has been part of your practice for a while but you're you're also responding to recent events by creating art right um and, yeah. and sort of selling it on on chain i wonder sort of like in terms of your practice um, and, mm -hmm. and maybe for artists in similar situations who are creating under extreme conditions mm -hmm. um, and circumstances, I wonder sort of like what practices you have uh, personally that sort of centers you and allows you to create amidst, you know, chaos and violence. Uh, you know, it's my go-to place. Uh the, the, the amount of anger and sadness and shame. I, everyone feels ashamed, maybe, that I have that when you see other people getting killed and getting beaten and you see this brutality and cruelty of people, that these people, um, it, it kind of uh, grows on you. So I really, I really need art or making art uh, to to stay sane, maybe you know, uh, because you can literally go insane if you hear the stories of how people died or how people, how are people being treated or being tortured or being beaten, uh, being raped. You know, you you can literally lose your mind. But, and you need, at, at least me, I need that um, that thing that art gives me. That 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 I outlet. Could, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I can stay sane and I can wake up in the mornings. You know, I just use that anger and uh, depression and anxiety as a tool to, uh, as a force to make art. Maybe. Mm. How much can you tell us about? you know, sort of like the, the past lives that, that you've lived. Um, you know, you, you've, you've been practicing art for quite a bit, but, you know, you, you've also mm -hmm. had other experiences and other occupations. I know that there, there's sort of limitations to sort of what you can talk about and how you can speak to it, but definitely curious as to your experiences there. Uh, yeah, I, I started doing art from an early, uh, early age, you know, and I continued doing so because I was this kind of autistic, introverted, and maybe um, silent kid when I was a little boy. And I didn't have that much um, friends, that many friends, you know. And I lived in my head and I liked repetitive patterns and um, clean shape, geometric shape, and anything like that. I, I used to draw them all the time. And it just went with me in the uh, process of me getting through teenage years because I suddenly became a very aggressive and very angry kid uh, who used to start fights. And I was always fighting with people. Uh, and I used that uh, art on the... I used to make art. Uh, when I uh, I was going through that depression and anxiety and uh, uh, teenage years, you know. And then I thought maybe I should do art in a more academic way. And I wanted to go and I got into 
um, art school. And but when in the first year, I got into trouble uh, with authorities, and uh, the protests were happening back then. Uh, it was I don't know green movement maybe it was 29 2010 i don't know i don't remember in your years your years are really hard uh, because we yeah our years are marked differently in the states yeah yeah we, we don't we don't use gregorian uh, calendar so it's really hard to um, remember those years but uh, uh, those protests happened and i was in college and i was uh, very active in the uh, political community and we used to uh, uh, publish uh, a magazine every now and then and I used to draw and design covers for it and make pieces for it with with very few things that I had back then and after that uh, I got out of uh, art school and I pursued a, a very different kind of uh, um, what do you say? Occupation. Profession. Uh, a profession, maybe. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you that <laughs> because of uh, because of all the anonymity stuff and all. But uh, I continue to do art. You know, I used to uh, interior design for people, and I used to uh, make stuff and maybe sell them to other people that I know. And it went on uh, till the bloody November that uh, it was in 2019, and there was the major recent protests, and I see those, ha those things happening back then, and I used that to create a, a unique kind of style and I, I created and developed a certain kind of character which I called the dystopian rebels um, and after that we got here after I found NFTs and all of those things. I'm going to let Art Gnome uh, get into your art in a, in a bit but I, I wanted to sort of ask a very practical question before we move into that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for anyone who might be listening to this um, in even a, a marginally sort of similar circumstance, I'm wondering, are there tips that you can offer for getting online in a place like Iran? Um, like how, how do you just practically sort of like cope with electricity sort of being shut off online censorship um, and security for yourself? If you can just, whatever tips you might have uh because uh, they uh, restrict the uh, internet uh, in iran heavily after protest protest we all use vpns and vpns always fail because they actively shut them down every minute you you saw that i wanted to uh, connect to this um podcast of yours but my first vpn crashed and I used maybe three, four other VPNs to try that. Um, the first first one uh, that comes to my mind is finding as many as VPN and proxies that as you, as you can find. <laughs> and after you get to uh, Twitter or Reddit or any place that you like, or Riverside for that matter, uh, you have to tell your story. That's it. And please, please, please keep keep 
uh, anonymity and please don't dox yourself because I saw uh, an artist, an Iranian artist, uh, maybe one or two months ago that was arrested because he do, he wasn't anon and it's really important to keep anon and uh, fight that urge to dox yourself, you know, <laughs> it, it itches you, you know, uh, hmm. but please keep anon and don't give up that anonymity part, yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to thank you first, C3, for um, I need this reminder periodically of, of why I love art. I think we have, um, I don't want to claim to be going through the struggles that you're going through right now, but we have very similar backgrounds in that I had a lot of anxiety and depression as a teenager, and art really got me through some very, very difficult years. And I think when we focus in the last year or two, hyper-focus on sort of collecting and markets and even, to be honest, art appreciation. To me, all of those things, I think of like a pyramid or a hierarchy of art's value. And at the very top is the making. Like we forget sometimes about the therapeutic, you know, um, and necessary outlet and benefits of, of the making process of art. And while we often talk about like, oh, like we need to like onboard more people onto collecting or like, you know, people could learn more about art appreciation. Sometimes we lose the, the, the raw, necessary human benefit um, of the creative process itself, you know, not as, you know, when Dan was like, well, how do you continue to work through that? And you were like, well, I kind of, I have to do it, right? Like I can, I can sympathize with art as a way of making sense of the world at a time when it feels like it doesn't necessarily uh, make sense. And I think it's just, uh, just want to thank you to remind me that underneath all the markets and the appreciation and this, that, and the other, at its core, art is most important, I think, as a, um, a way for people to express who they are. I think we might have dropped uh, C3 for a second, um, so I'm going to give him a, a minute to come back. Probably VPN hopping. Good. VPNs keep crashing. No worries. No worries. Artnam, you were saying about the, uh, I, I last heard about the art and the teenage years. Yeah, so I, I was saying that, you know, thank you for the reminder that art's greatest purpose really is in the act of the creation and what it does for us, um, you know, as, as humans to be able to make sense of the world around us, particularly in challenging times. Um, and it's easy to get distracted from that. But I can remember, you know, those years when I was far more active making art, um, that it's a pretty quick follow on that you you do kind of want some sort of audience, right, to be able to communicate to so that you're not kind of yelling at the wall. And I wonder for you what that was like, like coming to the crypto art community, what that process was like, how you discovered it, and finding that audience so you could go beyond sort of the therapeutic act of creation to um, sort of the next level, which is sort of the communication side of it. And, you know, one thing I, I just want to put in there before maybe you, you speak to that part is that, I sort of obnoxiously take it for granted that there's an, an, an anonymous nature in this space, right? So I've definitely met like just random dudes that live like five towns over from me that just think it's cool to make up like a, a weird, you know, uh, fake name so that they control people or this, that, and the other. And I often forget and take it for granted that how critical it is to, to global participation um, in this community that we have uh, and respect anonymity. You know, it's something I wrote in the... Um, the, my original definition of crypto art back in 2000, early 2018 is like 
that's core to sort of this global movement. So, yeah, I would love to hear about that transition from sort of making to finding your audience, particularly in this uh, global audience and in this crypto community. Yeah, when I when I started um, uh, and found out about NFTs, I really, really believe believe that no one will ever see my work on, and it was impossible to sell anything. That's the second thing, and I just uh, I told them before this. I just uh, when I not knew about NFTs and figured out what they are. I just wanted to uh, document my my presence and my pieces on chain. You know, my best hope was this that I will do that in twenty twenty one, and um, people maybe ten years from now, five years from now, maybe people could see that and that footprint that someone lived here and someone went through this, and these stories were happening back then. And that was my only goal, you know. You know, I I, I didn't uh, expect anything. I didn't expect uh, to have an audience. I really was uh, I was um, getting ready to talk to a wall, actually, and and I was just wanted to uh, make. I, I I I was making art, you know. I just wanted to put it out there in hopes that. It can reach some people, maybe one, two, three, four people uh, in future. You know, I wasn't uh, making it in real time and uh, expecting a, a result or an audience or a feedback or, or a reaction. You know, at first it was because of that documentation part of the uh, on-chain art. You know, that uh, there is a timestamp, there is a description, there is a guy's name under a piece and and there could be a background story to attach to that piece so i i i, I was just hoping to uh, document that uh, that pieces of me unchained uh and uh, i started to get into uh, crypto nft twitter and get to know people and after a while, maybe maybe I think it was six months after I minted my first or sec- first and second pieces, that out of the blue, I don't know how to this day, I don't know how, Mr. Punk uh, saw that piece of me, it's called Throne of Blood, and bought it. I, I have no idea why he bought it, where he saw that, I, I don't know. And You're speaking of Mr. Seven O Three, yeah, 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 Mr. Seven O Three. I never asked him how. I I don't think he would remember how how he found me because I really I I may have maybe hundred followers or so. I used to get maybe one likes or two likes or something like that back then. And I came home and saw that, that there was back then OpenSea has haven't block me yet. Back then I was on OpenSea. Uh, on Rarible. I'm sorry. I was on Rarible. Uh, uh, and I saw this um, email that came that your NFT has been sold and honestly I, 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 I maybe have forgotten that <laughs> I minted a piece and uh, it, it opened a new world to me, you know. I, I, um, it became real, you know. I, I was sure that it was impossible 
but it, it was happening back then and I don't mind, you know, it changed my trajectory in life even and so I saw that and I said oh wow people maybe see this and I, I immediately minted the second one and told Mr. Punk that I would send him that piece because it was deep and it has a second part and I would be willing to send it to him uh, but he said that he would say that too when blown away you know and everything changed after that it's amazing it's sort of like the knock you know we were talking about screaming at the wall and you hear a different voice on the other side of the wall come back right you're not even expecting it and now you've got a, a dialogue with a, a, a collector and like for, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so maybe I should phrase this more as a question. But like, I know the first NFT I bought in like late 2017, it was like five dollars. That it was by Mohara Gonzalez down in Mexico, and it was way early, so not a lot of people were doing this. And it wasn't the five dollars, right? Like, you know, money's nice, but like, as a former, you know, lapsed artist myself, and I think you know Mohara would say this too just knowing that someone else appreciates your work, like having that voice on the other side of the wall must have been huge for you, right? Like someone else somewhere out in the world, like, you know, acknowledged what you were doing. It blew my mind, you know, it blew my mind. It rocked my world so bad. I, I, was, I, I remember crying maybe for six hours. I remember that day clear that I was crying because of the money part because that this thing was real, you know, someone seeing that and someone uh, deemed that, uh, you know, and <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you tell us like a bit about, you know, where you draw your inspiration from for your pieces? Um and and sort of like a bit about the the characters behind them because I you know I from what I understand you are you are sort of building your own sort of superhero story um, your own sort of like mythological uh, sort of again history in which these characters are interacting but are also speaking to what's going on uh, in in your environment. I'm wondering can you can you tell us a bit about that and how that's changed over the past year. Yeah, I used to um, I used to draw uh, in any style, you know. I used to draw maybe more realistic style. I used to draw abstract. I used to draw this kind of minimals. I, I used to, I had a lot of years, you know, I paint in a lot of styles. So as soon as uh, that I got... I think we're losing you. I think we've lost C3 again. One hour later, two hours later, three hours later. Can you move it along? I'm all out of time cards. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Hey, there he is. There he is. Yes. Yes. We got you. <laughs> Touchdown. Wow. I switch. I switch four devices in the last five minutes. Yes. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Well, I'm. Work. I'm doing some stuff that are locked in NASA headquarters. I think to join here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, honored that you've brought your hacker ship 
to the demos. yeah yeah C3. I, I i will i will send you the um the uh, proxy app that i'm using and it will blow your mind please do it's, yeah yeah it's called necoray and i think it's from the chinese people and it's really cool <laughs> level shit cool. right ladies yeah we and chinese have very much in common you know we have we have that same issues that's why we have so many apps that overlap with each other you know <laughs> for sure for sure yeah i mean i've only yeah. i was only in china for a little bit and uh it was it was always something to deal with um and contend with so i, I yeah. you know i can't imagine what it's like for you on a daily basis yeah 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 are, are we recording this I started recording just so, Perfect. you know, once you hopped in, once you landed, we wouldn't miss anything. Sure, you know. sure, sure, sure. Um, How are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? You look well, good. Yeah, you I mean, I, I guess, thank you. You, you look good, too. <laughs> I know, I'm glowing today. <laughs> but yeah, I want to, I mean, I want to hop into it. So for, for people that are listening, um, you know, we, we had a bit of a technical issue with VPNs uh, two days ago, and it was actually sort of in, in the midst of C3 explaining sort of how he worked around the, the censorship where he lived in order to communicate yeah. sort of beyond yeah. borders. Um, and we can get back into that, obviously, in a, in a second. And, you know, and I think yeah. sort of the, the next part of the conversation is also really talking about your art and how that's evolved. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, in the time that you've been creating mm -hmm. NFTs. But, you know, today is also, it's been a pretty crazy day for you. Can yeah. you, you just tell us a bit about that and where you're, where you're at with it? Yeah, yeah. Today has been really crazy because the, the first piece that I had on AOTM, uh, the coronation of the outlaw king, that I based on the Islamic Revolution of Iran in 1979. That sold to a collector, a dear collectors of mine in Raiders Dell. And after that, maybe, maybe half an hour later, my other piece on uh, Super Rare sold too. So, <laughs> because, because I, I, I am banned from OpenSea, you know, that, that um, email, emails that your things have been sold. I, I never uh, get them these days for a year. And I just got those two emails from AOTM, uh, from Manifold and from Super. And it it's really, it, I I have missed that, that feeling, you know, yeah. it's really nice. No, congratulations. And, and thanks for, for context. You know, um, for people listening, OpenSea is sort of, the, it's the largest marketplace uh, for, for NFTs and crypto art and, mm -hmm. and uh, digital collectibles. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they, they are complying with OPEC regulations, um, it seems right now, uh, still. And they, they've banned uh, Iranian artists uh, and, and artists from, from several nations. Um, Cubans, so I know Cubans, Cubans, they, they, they banned Cubans too. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's sort of been <laughs> on you guys to use the tools, you know, that are created, obviously, with the help of, of other platforms like Manifold and, and, you know, Super Rare is still is still hosting your work, um, which is. Which yeah, is Super Rare, Manifold and uh, now AOTM. 
is working magic, especially Manifold. Manifold, I shout out to all the people on Manifold. They are the next big thing for yeah. freedom. <laughs> freedom yeah. is a good thing to fight for, yeah. For sure. And it's... um. Yeah. You know, I guess. Well, so, uh, what what do you do now? So, you you've had these sales. You've had these like these two. Are, are these sort of like all time high sales for you? They are not my all time high sales, but they're close. Yeah, they're so, close. They're very good sales. Yeah. So, what's next? I mean, like this just happened. Like, I guess like an hour and a half ago. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're hanging with us for sure. But what, <laughs> what are you what are you doing after this? What's the plan tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Dang. I have, I have I have no idea. I, I'm working on a I'm working on maybe two or three pieces. One is a secret project that I cannot name. And the other one is in kind of negotiations with um, another collection maybe and we will see how that goes. It'll be an a, um, a, a, an edition piece, I think. The, and I'm working on a uh, a single piece that I was hoping to <laughs> get it to a collaboration with another amazing artist, but I don't know if that will happen because that artist is going to <laughs> is going to uh, very big places right now, and I don't know if we can do that, but we will see. We will see. It was pretty, pretty bad days, These, especially these last two, three days, maybe. Uh, I had some issues with my brother, and maybe um, in real life, it sucks more these days, but today is really good. I, I was, I'm, I'm happy, yeah. How much does your family know about what it is that, that you're doing right now? Very little, yeah. <laughs> They, they eventually, I, I, I wasn't told, I wasn't telling them, you know, but eventually you have to tell them why you're not, you're working your usual job. And after two years, it gets, you know, weird. So you have to tell them that you're not dealing drugs or something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. So they know about Bitcoin and they know about this kind of things now. But 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 they don't know that much, you know. My friends, maybe one or two friends, know that I do this, and other than that, no one, no one knows that. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess I wonder, because <clears throat> if you know, if if I was sort of sitting in your in your spot, I guess I would, I would call everybody that i know and be like hey this just <laughs> happened today i would broadcast it online like and i would and i would want everyone to know that it's like dan sickles like it, it's me i just did this you know victory <laughs> lap all of that yeah how, the, how the, do you celebrate the, yeah where does that go yeah the the temptation is really hard and really big you know but but i just can't do that and i just uh maybe celebrate with myself well, it's pretty normal and it's like shouting in a room alone. <laughs> That's you also, it. <laughs> I mean, you also do have a very vibrant Discord community too, uh, who, who yeah, are, yeah. are there all the time. I mean, I see how crazy that chat goes when you make sales like these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have been blessed with very good collectors over the year or two. 
you know they're really nice to me and they support me we are not that big of a community but but the community is tight you know they all know me and i know them and uh they get happy when i get happy and they get sad when i get sad so it's really nice it's like a second family that i have online it's nice it's nice you know yeah yeah to share to share things I was just going to say, you know, you guys brought it up organically, but I'm sure, like, I, I can tell everyone in my real life um, about, you know, sales and, and when I collect and buy, but it's so weird to most people that it almost doesn't matter. So I find that it's, yeah. it is, even for me, where I can be open um, and tell people about it in real life, I still share more with my online community because those are the people that get me, right, and get this whole, like, community and process and system. So, yeah, I'm glad that you have that, right? Because it could it could be lonely. Like, if a great thing happens and nobody knows about it, like, was it really great, right? You know, but uh, it sounds like you've got the, the online community and the support so that you're sharing it in, in that format. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, if in if no one knows it, the the reality of it, gets questioned you know you wonder that did it happen you know no one was there to see it you know it's not about the greatness of it you know it's did it happen or not you know when no one is here to share share it with it with me you always question your reality you know i have a double life and uh nothing from my real life um sh- uh, is shared with the uh, online world you know almost almost none of it so i i i i i, I live in online uh, more than i live in real life you know because <laughs> the 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 reality has changed for me over the past year especially because i live here more than i live in real life and Maybe this is my reality, and real world is not that much of real, you know. <laughs> yeah, are you kind full, of me? Are Are you full time crypto art now, C three? So this is your primary uh, way to make. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I last year I, I I had a bet with myself. Maybe I, I I told myself that if I ever sell a piece for one ETH, I will quit my job and do this. Uh, full time and so it, that happened and after that I did quit and I'm doing this full time because you know I, I didn't want it to be uh, half-assed you know I wanted to uh, do it full time and see where it goes I didn't want to have any regrets after that maybe 10 years from now or 20 years from now I didn't want to um, stay at home and thinking that if I quitted my job back then, maybe I would have done something, you know, I didn't want to have that regret. So, so I'm doing this full time. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) Something, something that I love about, um, you know, what, what this movement has enabled and, and particularly for people like yourself um, Mm -hmm. who aren't, able yet to to visit the united states right Mm -hmm. um because of the restrictions placed on us by government like there there have been events though that i've attended in the states where Mm -hmm. you know i've i've walked outside i mean i remember very specifically i walked outside of ape fest um at like pier 17 or whatever on like the east river and Mm -hmm. i remember they had these giant displays of Mm -hmm 
art that they were that they were screening, I guess, like that entire week during NFT NYC. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking out from the board A party, I remember seeing your pieces on display, like on these giant screens. And yeah, I think I sent you a photo oh, of it. And yeah, yeah. In yeah. a way, it was kind of like, okay, well, like he's you're here. Like in a way, you're you're even you're present even when you're physically not. And I think that like the, the yeah. fact that your art has been able to travel in that way, it's it's no small thing. You know, um, that like in a way you are also at South by Southwest in a way you are also at Basel. I mean, you were just at Basel in Miami, right? Infinite possibilities. Oh, no. And it looks like we lost him again. (laughs) C3, have we lost him? Have Have we lost you? Bailey, C3, C3, where are you? C3, where are you? C3, C3, where are you? come back! Oh, there he is. Welcome back, C3. There Hello. he is. <clears throat> Hello. We got you. I hopped from iPad to my phone. Let's see how much time we, we got on my phone. You have my voice, please? Yeah. Great. Can I I give a description about why this happened to people who are listening to me? Maybe, (laughs) you know, yeah, sure. You know that maybe I should picture Iran for you. Uh, The 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 internet speed um, is really low. You know, the the government uh the government make it slow so that people cannot or should not uh open things on the internet so the speed is so low and after that if you get the speed uh it's heavily restricted you know every major uh, platform and every major website is filtered and you cannot access them twitter youtube I don't know anything, anything that you can think about. OpenSea, uh, Manifold Studios, I don't know, any super rare, anything that does anything. <laughs> Sometimes Google, maybe feel, uh, maybe it's it's getting filtered, you know, the, 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 the website of Google. So that's that. And I don't know, in Iran, so you cannot... Um, Every book, every major book that gets published should go through a, a special morality and a special co- committee. So they read your book and they assess it if it's okay, if it's not, it, the, what things that you can talk about in your book. Or maybe every f- uh, film or every movie that you're in that business uh, should get a special permit before it, it happens. So you have to send your script and they uh, read your script. And if you get okayed from that script, you can maybe uh, make your film. And after it's been made, they you should send your movie again to them and they should uh, okay that too. And even after you make a movie and you already got the permit to make it, if they don't like that, the messages in that, and if you say something that is not in accordance to the Islamic Republic, 
they will shelf that movie and maybe two years of your life is gone. And every uh, newspaper is like that. You know, if anyone in any uh, newspaper write anything that is that it's critical to the system or the Islamic Republic, that person will go to jail. And that person, not that that person, that newspaper, that entire organization will will get shut down next week, maybe. So that covers books and movies and newspapers and Internet and anything like that. You know, in your personal life now, we are fighting for hijab. You know, you cannot choose what you wear, especially uh, women in, on the street and they will, the morality police will come and will tell you that to cover yourself or you should get arrested. Uh, everything is banned, you know. So now that I get connected and disconnected because it's because of that, because uh, they actively shoot down uh, VPNs and proxies and they restrict the speed of the internet. So I just uh, up from this device to other device, and I get disconnected. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no it, apologies. No, yeah, no apologies. And I'm curious, C3, has it always? Maybe this is a naive question, but has it always been this bad in terms of morality police and banning books and banning movies, or does it fluctuate? And you're in a particularly strict time. Like, were there times where it was more loose and liberal? Uh, at least relative to the way it is today, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. or has it has it always been like this? Yeah, you know, after the revolution, maybe seventy nine until maybe uh, mid nineties, it was very much more uh, restricted than now. You know, it was more like the uh, Taliban uh, governance. You know, the, that's happening in Afghanistan back then. And after a while, maybe mid-90s, I don't know, in your years, it, it was mid-90s. Some liberals came on and it got better. There, there is uh, maybe eight years of very much uh, good progress in terms of maybe liberal, more freedom to pers person, you know, and to the books and to every other stuff. And you, I can send you that years. Uh, it was a particular uh, president back then. And uh, it got looser uh, compared to that those years, you know, for the the first years of the revolution. But it, uh, these days uh, it got worse, you know, because we had a, a very hardliner president last year, maybe that uh, that president is called Raisi, and you can uh, uh, um, search that person and. Uh, his uh, nickname is Butcher of Tehran. You know, <laughs> that guy, Butcher of Tehran, is now is the president of Iran, and he was uh, specifically and personally in charge of a death squad uh, after the revolution that killed around more than ten thousand people. He is personally uh, involved in the murder and execution of a, around maybe, some say it may be 30,000 people back then. And that guy is now the president. And so it got worse, you know, these days, mm -hmm. these years, the last year and now. 
And for context, like Western numbers in terms of, um, you know, what's been happening in Iran are, are estimated to be much lower. There seems to be like a, a big disconnect in terms of what you're seeing going on on the ground in your own country and what's being reported in the United States. Yeah, yeah, because um, usually your outlets use the, you know, um, the more... Uh, things that the that are official you know that and official things in iran and i don't know china uh, and north korea or venezuela these kind of statements from uh, government officials don't count you know they just erase things and uh, so maybe in the last four months i'm sure it has been uh, the, the 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 people who were killed are more than 1,000 people. But if you search the official statement, it's maybe 10, 100, something like that, you know? Uh, so, yeah, there is an issue of erasing reality, you know? Like in 1984, there is a, there is a ministry of truth. You know, they, they do that in real time in here, oh, and in China, and I'm sure in North Korea, they just erase people. You reference, you're referencing 1984, you reference the Ministry of Truth. I mean, the Ministry of Truth is also the name of, of one of your works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that like there, there are sort of, you, you're somebody that, that seems to be pulling from lots of different influences that yeah. come from lots of different cultures in, in lots of different places in, in time. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and, and sort of also how how you sort of grew or evolved into this person, or maybe you've always been this person that has sort of done such a good job at looking outward. I mean, to, to sort of like cite 1984, I feel like a lot of Americans haven't necessarily read that book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious how, how you ended up being this person. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a really book, book guy. You know, I can talk about books maybe for hours and weeks with you guys. And but I I was always this kind of rebel person, you know. I had a very deep problem with authorities, any kind of uh, figures that are authorities, you know. I had a, a lot of years that I had a problem with my own dad, and after that, uh, with any kind of authority that that was in Iran. So and I was into books, and I call four books my holy grail of dystopian books you know it's 1984 orville and it's hands made tale by Atkins, and it's fahrenheit 451 ray bradbury and we have uh aldous huxley brave new world those four books were engraved in my uh mind you know my a lot of my uh, maybe aesthetics come from those four books because I was fascinated by these books when I was growing up or when I was a teenager. Uh, I have, I use red a lot, you know, and that red and those cone shaped aesthetics come from Hands Made Tale. And Hands Made Tale, I don't know if you know this or not, Margaret Atwood, based Hands Made Tale uh, on Iranian revolution and how we treated women after and before the revolution, you know, 
the handsmade tale is actually based on us so those four books and a lot of other books i have read a lot of books and i still do read a lot of books but those four dystopian uh, books pretty much you know uh, make how i feel or how i think and they were very important books for me yeah and for the characters and for the characters that you've created mm -hmm. i'm i'm sort of curious where where the inspiration for some of these characters uh has come from and sort of what what you're what you're building them to do mm -hmm. so um so the rebel that i call the the, the bald guy you know that's me <laughs> i'm uh, most of them are you know that character is based on me myself you know i'm a fairly big guy who has a shaved head and that was a uh, portrait of myself maybe so uh yeah it's based on the things that i have seen in my life and i go through every day you know the experiences that i had in life and most of them were not that kind of uh, cheery experiences, as you call, you know. So I based that on myself. It's a very better looking and very, <laughs> very <laughs> cleaner than I am. But, but I based them on myself and I, the experiences that I had. And I kind of, I kind of sometimes make it more powerful than I am, you know. Maybe when you live here and there is this uh, feeling of helplessness and the shame that you don't do enough to fight these guys and you don't do enough but i i maybe transform that shame or that uh, feeling of helplessness into somewhat uh, stronger characters maybe the things that exactly. i wanted to do but i didn't do or i wanted to say those things but i didn't say because i was afraid that i might get killed or someone i don't know i, I might get uh, tortured or arrested or something like that you know i i transform that helplessness into maybe strong characters maybe yeah that's sort of that that's also why i ask because it's it's like looking through your works um and and looking at the titles of a lot of these works you know, um, and, and the outsiders for, you know, for the additioned work that you have, for example. To me, it seems like you're, you're, you're sort of creating this ensemble cast of characters, almost mm -hmm. like, like the Avengers in a way, <laughs> um, that, that sort of has these, these sort of heroic attributes or have yeah. bared witness to certain events and, and sort of like that, that is their strength, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are are you are you somebody into into comic books into sort of that that sort of mythology? I'm very into comic books. Dan, I, I'm the god of geeks. Nerd alert! <laughs> 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 everything comic or everything everything about games, video games, or comic books, or I don't know fantasy books. I'm a huge, huge Tolkien fan. And I, I I die for Tolkien, you know, or maybe Neil Gaiman, or maybe Witchers. Which have you ever have any of you read Witcher books? They're amazing. If you I have read, 
literature books there. Yeah. Andrzej Sapkowski from from Poland. I think that that's a, that's the guy for fantasy books. And wow. I, I love I love them. I love anything that has imagination in it. You know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Infinite. I'm curious, you know, because. We, we've spent a lot of time speaking with people who have been in this space uh, for, you know, <laughs> some time. And, and some time is really, you know, we're talking three, four years, right? Mm -hmm. Relative to, to, to those people, you know, you're, you're sort of a, a newer entrant um, yeah. into the space as an artist. And mm -hmm. I guess, like, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell us sort of what that experience has been like for you. Um, how, how have you been received? We, we know about the sales, but I'm sort of, I'm wondering, you know, what it's been like sort of stepping back to, to sort of create this community. Mm. The, the, the start was really hard, you know, the, the, I, I think I, I minted my first piece uh, in 2021, June, maybe. I was in, in the community uh, maybe two months prior to that. And those uh, June till the... December maybe that year it, that it's now going to be two years oh, wow uh, that those years that I didn't have any followers you know I I was on Twitter back then but I kinda wanted to make my own persona so I blocked and unblocked everyone that I knew on Twitter so I started with zero followers back then and uh, uh, that was really lonely you know artist life is lonely in general but 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 those days were really lonely and sad and i was in particularly bad time of my life back then and um it was really dark back then you know because i was doing things bad but i didn't know anyone and in real life you know you have to know this that no one that i know knows anything about crypto or let alone you know that nfts crypto is something like a fairy tale to a lot of people when i talk to them. so i didn't know anything i watched maybe one or two youtube videos back then and figured out how to mint things on rarible and i didn't know how to mint things and I, oh I, I didn't have any money to <laughs> to pay for gas and Ethereum was at 4.5k maybe back then and gas fees were I don't know $50 maybe $60 and I had maybe $200 in life. So back then when I didn't know people and I didn't I haven't found my people it was really bad and I was really in a dark place but uh, I kind of figured it out maybe i kind of figured it out after maybe five or six months that it's not about chilling or it's not about uh, doing the best kind of work or maybe the best looking uh, art you know it's about people and getting to know people and getting to be friends with people and i focused on that maybe and uh, little by little i made friends with other artists and i was fortunate enough maybe to to have very good kind of uh, collectors back then that saw something in my art maybe because it was uh, in from the 
financial aspect of it, buying things from me was like suicide <laughs> back then. But mm. they saw something in it, and Mr. Punk and a lot of guys, Mr. Krusty back then, they bought some things from me that were particularly expensive back then, you know, for a guy that hasn't sold some anything. But they did trust me, and I did continue to make things. And I found my people, you know, I, one by one. I tried to find people that looked, that thought like me, you know. And mm. we're here. So it, it has been tough, but I have been fortunate enough, you know. Yeah, and honestly, I, we, are, we are very fortunate to have you, for sure. No, you're too kind, Dan. <laughs> you're too <bad>. No. <laughs> With that, <laughs> say it, Bailey, you go for it. You hop in. C3, are you ready for 22 random questions? Questions, questions. Questions, yes. questions. <laughs> We're going to hop into it, but first, you tell him, Bailey, what we got to do. Um, I think we're gonna do a, a pre-roll. Is that is that right? That's it. Never forget the pre-roll. Pre-roll. <laughs> what? Hey y'all, this is Hannah, one of the producers behind I'm New Here, Depop Studios' forthcoming documentary film, directed by your lovely Dankness host slash Sundance Grand Jury Award winner. Dan Sickles. The film tells the story of an isolated internet user who falls down the crypto rabbit hole, encounters the visionaries behind the NFT movement, and ultimately rediscovers their connection to art and humanity along the way. I know I'm a little biased, but this is the definitive NFT documentary made for and by the community. So I'm calling on you, dear listener, to help us successfully complete this film by becoming a newbie collector today. I'm talking about our film's very own NFT collection of 10,000 avatars whose pixelicious traits pay homage to our iconic cast. Y'all, the amazing thing about becoming a newbie collector is that we've partnered with a roster of incredible artists in our community to bring you the dankest artist collaborations made exclusively for newbie holders for free. That means the newbie is the best and most accessible way to start your own crypto art collection. So open that browser tab right now. Come on, we both know you're holding your phone. And go to newhere.xyz. Welcome back to the Dankness, where we're just about to hop Welcome into tw- 22 questions. This is a segment where questions. we ask our guests a slate of 22 randomly selected questions. A quick note to our guests, don't overthink your answers. It's easier if you don't think about the answer too much. If you'd like to submit a question to be included in 22 questions, please feel free to reach out directly to hello at depopstudios.xyz. All right, C3, are you ready for 22 questions? Questions. Questions. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Question number one, C3, what did you eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast? An omelet. 
Oh, wow. Mm. What was in the right. omelet? That's a common thing that comes up, actually. Uh, what was in the omelet? I think our omelet is different from your omelet. We use eggs and uh, the tomatoes. Tomatoes. With, with right. our omelet. Okay, nice. that Sounds delicious. Yeah, it is. I, I prefer protein for breakfast, you know. I rarely eat breakfast, but I, I prefer protein. Very nice. C3, describe the state of your bed right now. That's really going to be weird. <laughs> I, I I never had bed in my life, you know. It, when I was a child, when, when we were a child, we didn't have beds and we used to uh, lay on the floor every night. And so that kind of stayed with me and I never had a, a bed till now. I... I, I <laughs> I I sleep on the floor on a Persian carpet whenever wherever I can in the home. Cool. On the studio, sorry. <laughs> but it's really good. Persian carpets are really good as a bed. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah. Very comfy. <laughs> when and where was the last vacation that you took? Uh, last vacation? I went to northern parts of Iran, I think. Uh, it's uh, it's the beach of uh, the Caspian Sea. It's really nice. You should visit after these fuckers are gone. Maybe not now. <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> How old were you when you received your first computer? Oh, I maybe I was eleven or twelve years. Yeah. Who's your favorite writer, author, or speaker? Oh, we can talk about this for three hours, can we? <laughs> I'll let you riff. I like Tolkien. I like Gaiman. I like uh, Zabkowski. I like. I love play playwrights. You know, I'm a very Shakespearean guy, and I love Shakespeare. And maybe Sam Shepard. And I love uh, Martin McDonough from the recent ones. And I love. I don't know a lot. I, I love Chekhov from Russia in the playwrights. Uh, I love English writing writers more, you know, American writers. I love Carver. I love uh, Chandler. I love a lot of people. I, I love Jonathan Safran Foer, maybe. Do you know him? I love Steve Toltz from Australia. I love... Beat Generation. When I was younger, I was I was obsessed with Jack Kerouac and On the Road, and uh, I love a lot of people. I love J.D. Salinger. I love Paul Oster, and that's it. Really good syllabus. Yeah, we need to get a book list from you, C three, that maybe we can publish to the Dankness website. That'd be that'd be kind of cool. We'll gladly do that. Uh, books are my things. Books and sports and movies and plays and video games and art. I live. I really like art. <laughs> I love it. So C three, what's the, what's the worst job you've ever had? What's the worst job I ever had? Can I? Uh, maybe I maybe skip to the next question. I will tell you. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Who in the world would you like to meet but haven't? Uh, you guys. 
you know, I, a lot of people from in the NFT world, I really like to visit United States and NFT NYC or something like that and meet all of you guys. I really like to meet you guys in person. Aww. We'd like yeah. to meet you too. <laughs> if you could live if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Uh maybe in a Japan in Japan, I love Japan. Maybe I should have Japan, south of south of France or Iceland, one of the those three. Wow. Yeah. And what about what about Japan? Is it that you like what appeals to you about Japan? Japan, I love Zen gardens and I love uh I I love gardens in general, you know. I really like their calmness and I I was always a, a maybe a, a crazy person who had a temper, but it, these kind of slow and calm things fascinate me, you know, Zen gardens and bonsai and I love the samurai way and anything like that and I love Hayao Miyazaki animes and I just love Japan. I really like to Japan. What's your favorite arcade game? Arcade game? Street Fighter and a game called Contra. Did you have Contra? Oh, I love Contra. Oh, I I love I remember the logo, but I don't think I've played it. So are you talking about the the original Contra C3 from like Nintendo, the very first one? Or like the, the newer edition? Like I remember the very first one when you jump up and down to the second levels... And then it switches to like first person mode and everything. Uh, I it was never first. Ah, yes, yes, first person. When you get to the boss boss levels, you had to uh, kill that boss guy in first person. Yeah, I, I think that that's the first one. It's really only yeah. you're walking with the gun and you're just shooting it kind of yeah, straight yeah, ahead, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Do you do you remember the cheat code? I might have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a cheat code on Contra for Nintendo. Do you remember <laughs> what it was? Oh no! <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's I think it's up ago. up down down left right left right B A B A start. I think that gets you like infinite lives or something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, I should get Contra though. <laughs> Art Nomi way geeker than than me, I think. See, you, you thought you were the god of nerds. I'm, I'm a nerd, uh, at least as nerdy as you are, I think. We could have a nerd off. <laughs> nerd Perfect. <laughs> Let's do a trivia. Bailey, you have the next question. Oh, I thought I asked about the video game. I was excited because uh the Contra. Uh, let's see. Favorite era of art? Era of art. Uh, as much as I like the Renaissance guys, and I love, I I used to love, I I still love Raphael and Botticelli and and I don't know Da Vinci on those guys. I I think, but I think the modern era more. It's more free and uh, late nineteenth century in till the the inside of the twentieth century. The modernism era is really cool, and everything that they created. Uh, laid the foundation for us, you know. I like I like freedom. I'm a freedom maxi, and those guys were free as fuck, you know. <laughs> and they didn't care about any rule or anything, and they just created exceptional things. I really like modernism, maybe the the mid 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 century of twentieth century. I might add. Dank. 
What website has made the most profound impact on your life? Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia. <laughs> Everything I know is from Wikipedia. This question's a little serious, so if you need to pass, you can let me know. But what is your favorite pizza topping? Pizza topping? I really, I really hate pepperoni. I, I, I hate pepperoni. <laughs> Leave my lips. What, what's your, what's your no. favorite though, C three? This is an opportunity I'm... to be to celebrate <laughs> toppings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Please come. I, I just I, every time someone orders pizza or wants to order pizza, I just say, "Let's not order pepperoni," and I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's my so every, only order. So you like everything else the same as long as there's no pepperoni. You're happy. I got you. Yes, I love uh, anything that has meat in it. <laughs> What's yours? What's your favorite? Oh. Wow, I don't think anyone's flipped the pizza topping question back on us, Dan. Do, do you have an immediate answer? It's a very important topic. I kind of like like bacon, like balsamic glaze, and then like there's like uh, what kind of cheese goes with that? Like some like goat cheese Bank is pretty notes. good. That's like like gourmet style. But then like when it comes to like you know just like a regular slice, I'm down for like grandma. Grandma piece, like with like the the mozzarella, the the heavy marinara. Perfect. Yeah, for me, it's sort of a a, a combo. What a great story! Of sun dried tomatoes, roasted garlic, um, and jalapenos. Like those three oh, things, all those strong flavors in together. Maybe a little feta and a little black olive in there too. But really, it's the jalapeno, roasted garlic, and sun dried tomato. I have I have a strong affinity for. Perfect. So no pepperonis in three of us, and we're good. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I will never put pepperoni on your pizza, C3. <laughs> Please enjoy some dengue. C3, if you could, you have one option. Mm -hmm. You can jump into the random future, or you can time jump back to the random past. Which do you choose? Um, I will choose a specific past or a random future. Random past, random future. future. No, a specific, a specific past or a random future. Any, any one of those is okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into it. Uh, this one really is deep. What is your ideal afterlife scenario? What would you want to happen um, after you pass away? I would really love it. If Greek guys were right and Hermes shows up to uh, take me to the afterlife and I get to pass that river and the other guy who is in charge of uh, Underworld is waiting for me. I really like the Greek myth mythology type, you know, the, the, the af I, I'm really deep into Greek mythology and I love Greek, Greek's version of afterlife. So you would really want to like live that story, cross the river Styx, oh, meet I Hades. Ah, oh, Hades. I love Hades. Hades is my <laughs> guy. <laughs> the so, three-headed three guy, the, the three-headed dog. The Cerebr dog ser service. Yeah, yeah. I love it. No, I, I, yeah, it's, it's such a visceral 
and visual mythology. Yeah. The last question that I have for you, C3, is what's one piece of art that you'd like to own but don't? One piece of art, digital or physical? Could be either. This is art. Get it? I would like from digital ones that I know that 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 uh, the Lucy piece that Sam Spratt has uh, the 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 Lucy I think is holding a baby I don't know what's that called that one from Sam Spratt and I would like a Rothko in real life and which I couldn't have it's really oh very nice we like you so you get two choices you'll <laughs> <laughs> be receiving them in the mail. <laughs> well c3 it's it's been such a pleasure to have you with us um thank you for for all of all of your work in making it happen and you know all of the vpns and you know jumping through all of the hoops we we really really appreciate you taking the time thank out you for having me and having the patience to have me on this and i really love you guys and it's been an honor I love it. I'm a huge fan of both of you guys. You know that. No, thank you. Thank Much you, love yeah. back to you. Where where should we be looking for the most recent updates? Um, I know that I listed your socials at the top, but if there's any other sort of destinations that you'd like to send us to, obviously feel free to plug plug away. Yeah, I, I have now. I have my own website, and you can check AOCM anytime you want. Those two are. And I'm on my Twitter. Perfect. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your night, man. Thank you for staying up. Thank, Thank you for staying you. up late for us. Thank you so much. Stay Thank away. You. Stay away from that pepperoni. <laughs> I will. <laughs> we'll speak soon, man. Take care. Goodbye. Much Goodbye. love to you. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it's Dan. Just a quick announcement that my film New Here is teaming up with C3 for a very special collaboration drop. For all New Here NFT holders, C3 has created a special piece called The Dreamer, which will be offered as an exclusive mint to newbie token holders. This work will be offered for free to anyone holding a token at the time of the snapshot. For more information, or to learn how to mint your newbie, head to newhere.xyz or find us on Twitter at newherexyz, and we'll be sure to guide you through the process. C3 is one of several exciting artists we'll be collaborating with for the New Here NFT holders, and all our collaboration drops are offered to our holders for free. Meaning that holding a newbie is the best way to build a thoughtfully curated crypto art collection over the next few years. As always, thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you back here on the Dankness. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode of The Dankness. Uh, if you could do us a favor and click like or share uh, the podcast with other folks that you think may enjoy it, that it helps helps us get the word out. Um, and we do appreciate it because it's sort of word of mouth. That's how this stuff spreads. Uh, but also really, really want to thank our guest today, C3. How do folks follow C3 and his work, Dan? So you can find C3 and stay up to date with all of his work, everything going on in his world at C3NAAX on Twitter. That's at C3 
three N A A X. And you can also find him on his website. All, all of his links are there as well to all of his art and all of his socials at c3naa.art. That's c3naa.art. Thank you, Stella, for these incredible tones. You are just turning it out every, every episode. My the dankest of tones. Stay dank, stay dank, my friends. Stay, stay dank. dank. Have a dank day. Stella, take us out. This is Flood's AI-generated assistant speaking on behalf of himself and Stella. Flood and Stella are extremely busy working on making the dankest danktones for the upcoming episodes. Here is a chat GPT, intro to them and their work on the dankness. Flood and Stella are audio-visual artists collaborating to make waves in the dankiverse with their trippy, acid-infused art project called the Danktones. They have been super busy lately, working around the clock to create some mind-bending image composition, NFT art that's about to turn heads in the community. They're hitting all the retro music store vibes. The podcast cover art includes stickers, holographics, shrink wrap, and even some redacted sound effects. Yes, you heard that right. This wild duo is bringing back physical media vibes in a big way with this release. But it's not just the medium that's impressive, it's the audio-visual art itself. Flood and Stella's art is truly something special, with bright, bold colors and intricate patterns and zany sound effects that will have you feeling like you're tripping on acid. So if you're a fan of NFT art and you're looking for something a little bit different, definitely check out Flood and Stella's The Dank Tones Project. Thanks for your time. Have a dank 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 It's so dank Super rare Second floor third dank room on the left